0: A few weeks ago, I had the wonderful privilege of uh, going to do something that I had never done before in my life. Uh, it is going to what is called an escape room. You may have seen these uh, uh, in, the, in the area in Petersburg and Richmond. Uh, and uh, you go in, you get into this room, and there are clues and codes uh, with some type of scenario, a storyline... And the idea is that once you get into the room, you've got to get out. Uh, There's a doorway you've got to go to, and you have to get through these clues and codes to get out. It was a lot of fun, uh, and I would do it again in a heartbeat, as a matter of fact. But today, as we think about getting out and having access, in reality, we want to talk about not getting out, but getting in. You see, today we want to talk about not getting out, but getting in or gaining access, access to a different room, the throne room of heaven. How do we get into the throne room of heaven? Being in the presence of our creator, God. And beloved, it is not found through clues and codes, but it is made possible by the greatest gift of Christmas. His name is Jesus. Jesus who came, God with us. So let's think about having access to God today. And what does that look like? And why is having access to God important? And how do we get there? So let's look in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 22. In honor and reverence to the word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage for us this morning. If you didn't bring your Bibles, it should be on the screen here for us as well. But read in Hebrews chapter 10. Starting so verses one, going through twenty-two. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who, who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he, that's Jesus, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You had no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. And then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may, established, that may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. And then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word and we pray that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are in your presence. And I'm praying, Father, that having known, having knowing that very fact, that it will affect us and shape us how we live every day. I pray, Lord, we walk away from here with a great realization of your presence around us, in us, and through us. I pray, Father, that if there are those here today that don't know Jesus, that this will be the hour of salvation. And for those of us who do, Lord, that we'll walk away challenged and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that you have done for us and how we have access to you now. So, Lord, may you have your way in our hearts and lives. May we be vulnerable to your spirit's moving. May we hear your voice. And may we set all the distractions of life aside and focus in on what you need us to hear and to understand more clearly. And Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. We see the outline for today's message in the bulletin. And we're going to follow that along. And as we look here, we see that having access to God means... Having access to God means that we are able to approach holy God. We're able to approach holy God, our creator. We're able, listen, we are able to be in the presence of the holy, holy, holy God. But he is holy and we are not holy. So how do we have access to holy God as sinners? How are we able to approach How can we approach holy God? Well, the answer, my friends, is Jesus. That's how we're able to approach holy God. And so we see that we are able to approach holy God, first off, clean. Because his sacrifice is complete. We are able to approach holy God clean because his sacrifice is complete. Complete. Now, to understand the importance of what Jesus has done as he came, we must go all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, we find that the Lord used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden during the cool of the day. Now, as we read that, we understand that this signified that there was indeed a close relationship, there was an intimate fellowship that the, Adam and Eve enjoyed with the Creator before sin caused everything to fall apart. Amen? Amen? Once Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were banished from Eden, and they were banished from the immediate presence of our holy God. And so since that day, the goal of salvation has been to restore that face-to-face communion and that relationship, that intimate fellowship between the Lord and his people. But all along the way, sin has stood in our way. It is what keeps us from having that relationship with holy God. Sin is what separates us from holy God. And so what God did after sin came into the world, God established his laws To show us how to live perfectly. But also to remind us through those laws just how sinful we are. When we compare ourselves to the law, we see that we are sinners. That we're very sinful and, and we are unholy as he is holy. We are unholy. But yet God, who loves us as his creation, and he desires to walk with us individually and commune with us as his creation... He established in that day the animal sacrifices to provide a way for people to be forgiven as they believed, but this way in which God provided was not a permanent solution, and it did not remove the guilt from people's hearts, but rather these sacrifices, the animal sacrifices had to be repeated on a continual basis. Because their sin, through the animal sacrifices, going through that that process, their sin was not cleansed. But rather, their sin was covered by these sacrifices. And so now we come to Hebrews chapter 10 and reading the first verse. And we see here, it says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, Make those who approach perfect. They could not make them perfect. So these sacrifices were a shadow. And beloved, they were a shadow of grace in the Old Testament. You see, the people, because of their sin, deserved to die. But God provided this temporary way of forgiveness of this animal sacrifice. But it was a shadow of what was real. Because when you look at a shadow, a shadow can do nothing, right? It's a shadow of something. And so the shadow is of something, and the shadow is of the body of the grace of Jesus. That's what we find here. And so, as a matter of fact, a few minutes ago, if you remember, when we took of the Lord's Supper, we remembered that Jesus said, For this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for, the, for many for the remission of sins. And so this shadow in verse 1 speaks of what was to come. Whereas the law and the sacrifices are the shadow, the gospel of Jesus is the reality. Amen? That's what we're looking at here. So understand that the sacrifices cannot, they could not make people Perfect word perfect there means to be complete or holy or clean. We even see here in verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Okay, so since the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sins, then why did, why did God have them do that? Why, why did God have them do these animal sacrifices? Well, beloved, when God established this, he wanted the people... He established the, and what needed to take place that when a person sacrificed an animal, because of their sin, they were meant in the midst of that sacrifice, to see the blood. They needed to see the blood of this sacrifice and to realize that because of their sin, there was a cost. And because of their sin, the cost was that this animal had to die. You see, friends, because they did something selfish, something ignorant, or whatever you want to call it, something had to die because of what they had done. And so they are a picture, these sacrifices are a picture now, of what Jesus would do in his work and that he would accomplish for us on the cross. We see in verse 4 again, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Verse 5, therefore, when he came, Jesus, when he came into the world, Jesus came. He's talking here about the incarnation, God with us. He came to establish the perfect way of To salvation, the perfect way of salvation to God. In verse 5, the rest of verse 5 and all the way through verse 9, it says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. And then he said, verse 9, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. See, he takes away the first that he may establish the second. Jesus would become the perfect lamb of God. Of God who takes away the sin of the world. As John the Baptist, when he saw him coming, proclaimed about him, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, and as these verses tell us, Jesus then is the fulfillment of the old covenant sacrifices. You see, because Jesus came, we have been sanctified through what he did on the cross once for all. We did not have to come in here this morning, and you didn't have to bring a bull, praise God, or a goat, praise God, and bring it down to us to sacrifice it. We don't have to do that anymore because that has been taken away at the cross of Calvary, amen? The Lamb of God. Verse 10 tells us here that by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all. Once for all people, once for all time, once for all who will believe in him, once for all. The word sanctified means to make holy, which carries the idea of being clean before holy God. It is to be made righteous before God. Philippians, Paul writes in Philippians 3, 9, he says, talking about how to be found in him. I'm to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. You, we do not have a righteousness. We are not righteous on, in and of ourselves. There's nothing we can do to be right, holy, or clean before holy God. And so, because of that, we're not able to approach Holy God, but we are able to approach Holy God, clean and sanctified, because now, because of what Jesus did for us, we have the righteousness of Christ, not our own righteousness, but His righteousness, amen? And so, beloved, we see here that the sacrifice of Jesus is once for all. His sacrifice is complete. Let's look at those verses again in verses 11 and and following. It tells us here, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, but Jesus is who he's talking about. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his Footstool, So you see the contrast between these, between the old covenant and the new. We see that there were many priests who were daily standing in the uh, offering their sacrifices. And we have now one priest. We see here that the priests are standing daily, meaning that their job is not done. And then you see the one priest, Jesus, sitting, meaning that his job is accomplished. We see here that the offerings are being repeated constantly here, year after year. The same sacrifice year after year. But now we see Jesus' sacrifice once for all. We see that those sacrifices covered sin. But this sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, completely cleanses and removes our sin. Amen? I like this new covenant. Amen? Aren't you thankful for what God has done for us through Jesus? And the, listen, what the old covenant with the animal sacrifices could not do, in verse 1 we found that they can never make us perfect. We find in verse 14 that Jesus has done, look at verse 14, by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So what tens of thousands of animal sacrifices could not accomplish, Jesus accomplished with that one sacrifice forever, the sacrifice of himself. As the Lamb of God. So, whereas they remembered their sins every day and every year because the sacrifices were required, now, because of Jesus, our sins are no longer remembered. In verse 17 and 18, it says, If you remember, then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So, we are forgiven. Jesus came, he went to the cross, and when we know Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives, we are forgiven and we are clean before Holy God. There's no longer a sacrifice or an offering that's needed for our sin because his sacrifice is complete, and we are clean before Holy God. And as clean and holy, we are able to approach Holy God. We have access to our creator, Holy God, because of the complete sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are now right before Holy God as we have been forgiven, trusting with a repentant faith that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for me and he did for you. And beloved, when Jesus died, it was complete. When he cried out, it is finished, he meant it. It is finished. We are able now to approach holy God clean because his sacrifice is complete. We're able to approach holy God, secondly, confident because the curtain is torn. Y'all with me this morning? We're able to approach holy God confident because the curtain is torn. Look at verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, having boldness or confidence to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. Through the veil. It's speaking of something. see, in that day, even with the old covenant sacrifices, the worshiper would not have been bold enough to try to enter into the area called the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, which was behind the veil or behind the curtain. It is there that the presence of God dwelt. And anyone who went behind the veil or entered into that unprepared, there was certain and immediate death because... We sang about this, or we heard them singing about it a little while ago, because of the glory and the holiness of God. And he cannot tolerate sin. Every year even, the high priest entered behind that veil, the Holy of Holies, once a year. And so this thick veil, this thick curtain, was a barrier between people and God. It was shielding holy God from sinful man. And so only the high priest would enter. Anyone else who entered would die. So the high priest, God's chosen mediator, with his people, could only pass through the veil as the high priest and enter into this sacred dwelling once a year on a prescribed day called the Day of Atonement. And why is that? It's because the holiness of God could not and cannot and will not be trifled with according to Habakkuk one thirteen, it says God's eyes are too pure to look on evil and he can tolerate no sin and so this veil was a barrier to make sure that man could not carelessly and irreverently enter into God's awesome presence for he would die but even as the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, he had to make some meticulous preparations. Like he had to make sure he had to wash himself. He had to put on a special clothing. He had to bring burning incense to let the smoke cover his eyes from direct view of God. And he had to bring blood with him to make atonement for sins. Listen to what Hebrews explains in just one chapter before chapter 10 here in, verse, in chapter 9. As it explains about how Jesus, what happened when Jesus came and he died for us talking about behind the veil. Look at chapter 9 verses 7 and 8. It says but into the second part, meaning the holy of holies, the high priest went only, went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The holy spirit indicated this that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while that first tabernacle was still standing. You skip down to verse 11 and we see, but Christ, Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats, watch, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, which is behind the veil. Once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Because of what Jesus has done, our sins have been cleansed, and it cleanses our heart and our minds. You remember that this going behind the veil, there's something to that. When Jesus went to the cross, what happened when Jesus died on the cross? In Matthew 27, verses 15 and 51, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. And the Bible says, verse 51, then behold, the veil or the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. You see, friends, when Jesus died, he gave us access as believers into the Holy of Holies behind the veil. The veil, as the curtain was torn, as the, vo- the, the veil was torn, the Holy of Holies was exposed. God's presence. God's presence, his awesome holy presence is now accessible and approachable because of what Jesus did on the cross. Imagine how shocking this likely was to those priests who were ministering in the temple that day. Can you imagine being a priest in the temple that day when Jesus was on the cross and there were still priests that were in there who had not been behind the veil and then Jesus gave up his spirit, he yielded his spirit, and the veil was torn in two from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom up, but from the top down. Amen? Amen. Can you imagine being one of those priests ministering that day in that temple? But what happened then was good news for us as believers because we know that Jesus' death has atoned for our sins and made us right before God. That torn veil illustrated Jesus' body broken for us, opening the way for us to come to God. When he cried, it is finished, on the cross, he was indeed proclaiming that God's redemptive plan was now complete. The age of animal offerings is over, and the ultimate offering, the Lamb of God, has now been sacrificed once for all. And so now, we can now boldly or confidently enter behind God's presence, enter into God's presence. In Hebrews 6, it says, the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. So we can go into, we are in the presence of God without fear. We enter confidently as a relationship to to our creator has been restored. Because Jesus lived a sinless life, his death paid for us to have the forgiveness of God. And then in verse 19 we see that we have a free and confident entrance. Brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus... We're able to enter into the presence of God. We have the legal right, if you will, to enter before the Lord. We will, listen, and what hope that brings to us, amen? To know that one day we will enter into the presence of holy God and we will see him in all of his glory and all of his magnificence and all of his majesty face to face. Amen? Amen. And what a glorious day that will be when we see him face to face. Beloved, listen. Not only will we be in his presence one day, you need to understand something. We are in his presence now. Right now, we are in his presence. Beloved, we are, because when we know Jesus as Savior, we are behind the veil. We're behind the curtain. We are in the Holy of Holies as believers. The Holy Spirit lives within us. So we have the ability then to speak to our Heavenly Father. We have the ability to pr- and the privilege to pray. We Listen, we get to talk to our Creator, Holy God. We get to spend time with Him in prayer. And beloved, He answers those prayers. Amen. He answers those prayers. Not sure? Ask the westers this morning if God answers prayers. After, ask the Rowlets if God answers prayers. Ask the hasties if God answers prayers. Ask the deployed soldiers' spouse if God answers prayers. Ask the parents who couldn't have kids who now rock a baby to sleep at night. Amen. Ask those parents of addicted teens who who cried out to the Lord for deliverance and have seen that child redeemed and restored if God answers prayers. And beloved, on and on we could go all across the room as to how we have bowed before our Creator and our King, our Helper, and we poured out our hearts to Him and He has answered our prayers. Amen. But then there are times when we pray. And God doesn't say yes, but he says, wait. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. Amen? Waiting's hard sometimes, but God says wait sometimes. I think about a couple of us went up to Montreal a few weeks ago, as you heard us talk about that a little bit, and uh, to meet with some church planters, and one of the lead, the lead pastors of the church plant, La Chapelle in Montreal, was telling us how God had answered the prayers of the people who had gone before them. For decades and decades there had been some faith, a faithful remnant in Quebec. Even though it's completely lost. Only 0.5% evangelical. For decades and decades there had been a remnant who continually prayed for God to do a miracle. And bring about an awakening in Montreal and Quebec. And he said something that day when we were there. He said I believe that we're standing on the prayers of those people. And seeing God do some work now some things that they may have never seen, they may have gone on to be with the Lord, but now God is answering those prayers now. Friends, Sometimes we don't always understand God's timing, but we always need to know that God's timing is always right. Amen? Always right. And then, yes, there are even times when God says yes to our prayers and sometimes wait, but you know what? There are times when he says no. We don't like it when he says no because we think we know what's best. And when he says no, it hurts. Y'all with me? It hurts. But he's God. And he does all things for his glory. And he is always merciful. Beloved, we must never forget that. That he does all things for his glory and that he's always merciful. When he says no and we don't get the job, or when we don't get the raise, or we hear the bad diagnosis... We lose a loved one, it hurts. But here's what we need to remember. Is that, beloved, we are behind the curtain with our God. And we can cry out to him. Indeed, we can even crawl up into his lap and weep because we don't understand. And we can even ask him why. But we are to trust him and simply let him carry us Along because he is faithful and he is trustworthy and he is near because we're in his presence. Amen. We are able to approach holy God clean because his sacrifice is complete and confident because the curtain is torn. But thirdly, we're able to approach holy God committed. Because we are constantly in his presence. Verse 21 and 22. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The Bible here tells us that let us draw near. We, re- we are to be reminded that we are constantly in the presence of God as believers. But he tells us here that we must draw near, meaning we must realize his presence. I think we often forget that we are in the presence of God as we live our lives as believers. Nothing is hidden from his sight because we are in his presence. It says, let us draw near with a true heart, meaning committed, being sincere, having a sincere heart, having a genuine devotion to him. Having a full assurance of our faith, the Bible says, meaning knowing that we have access to his presence because of Jesus. And our hearts sprinkled and our bodies washed means that we are to have this constant confession of our sins. Having an openness and honestness with God about our lives. Because even though we're in his presence, because of the sinful nature that we still struggle with, we we mess up. And as we mess up, we say, Lord, I'm in your presence, but I have messed up in your presence. And I need you to forgive me of my sin. I want want to be able to hear you as I pray. We must remember that as, listen, we have confess our sin. And then it tells us here that we have this openness, honesty before God. We need to remember that as believers, that we do not enter into his presence, but rather we live there. And, and beloved, listen, if we remember that we are living in the presence of God all the time, it will affect how you live your life. It shapes how you speak. It it, it deals with our hearts about how we want to live our lives and how we treat our parents or treat our children or treat our spouses when we realize that we are living in the presence of holy God. It affects us, and we are to be committed to him. As we live in his presence, we have that commitment to him. We're devoted to him, knowing that we're in his presence, seeking to please him and live for him and love him more and more. Oh, pastor, I just... Sometimes I just don't feel this presence. Sometimes I struggle knowing that he is there. With David, there are times when we do feel discouraged and weary. And David had a heart like that, where he was longing deeply for the presence In Psalm 63, 1, it says, he writes, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And so, beloved, as that happens, we are to reminded that we can, listen, we can find real refreshing and joy in the realization of his presence. While we never lose the reality of God's presence, as the Holy Spirit lives within us, we might lose the sense of his presence. And it's in those times that we must continue to trust him and spend time with him and fellowship and feasting on his word, and it will ultimately yield a life of spiritual growth and full confidence and satisfaction in the Lord. Because we are in his presence. We are able to approach holy God. Clean because his sacrifice is complete. Confident because the curtain is torn. And committed because we're constantly in his presence. All right? So let's unwrap this. What do we need to take away from what we have learned in the book of Hebrews? And learning about God's access for us. Number one. Realize that you are in his presence continually. Realize that you are in the presence of holy God continually. And when we realize that, then we are going to worship him. Beloved, you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to worship the Lord. Amen? You can worship him when you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you say, Oh, have mercy, oh Lord. But I'm going to worship you anyway, right? Worship Him at any time. Walk with Him and talk with Him. We have that privilege. And let us experience, listen, let us experience a fresh awareness of His being near to us. I long for that, amen? And live that out daily as we realize we're in His presence continually. Secondly, secondly, Not only realize you're in his presence, but secondly, enjoy his presence. Enjoy the presence of God. Psalm 16 verse 11 tells us, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. In his presence, there is a fullness of joy. So enjoy the presence of God. So realize you're in his presence, enjoy his presence, and if you do not know Jesus, thirdly, come into his presence. Come into his presence. Have access to your creator. Know that you can approach God now and that you will see him face to face in all of his glory and worship him one day. Come into his presence, and we do that with a step of faith, knowing that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And turning from that sin and turning to Jesus Christ in repentance and believing, embracing with all of our heart that this Jesus is the Son of God who died for us on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave. He's the one in whom we have our hope. He's the one who gives us access. He's the one who makes us clean and holy before God. And we profess him as the Lord and Savior of life. All of that is a step of faith, trusting him by faith. Aren't you glad Jesus came? Amen. To give us access to God. To be clean because the sacrifice is complete. To be confident because we can enter behind the veil and are living behind the veil and committed because we're constantly in his presence. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that as we come to this time of invitation that you would stir our hearts to love you more as we are reminded that you are the gift of Christmas, but we're reminded that all the blessing of you being the gift of Christmas is that we can enter into your presence, into the presence of holy God. And so, Lord, help that realization stir us up to a closer walk with you. And may we walk away with a fresh commitment that we will live our lives daily seeking to know the nearness of God around us, in us, and through us. And Father, we'll live that out daily seeking to find the joy that is the joy unspeakable that comes through Jesus Christ to enjoy your presence. But also we pray for those today, Father, who have never said yes to Jesus, to be the Lord of their life. I pray that as we come to this invitation that you'd also call them to make that time of commitment public or to come and just pray with Pastor Joe or myself that we will be glad to pray with them as they seek to invite Jesus to be the Lord of their lives. Lord, you know every heart and life here. May you stir us to the place where we need to be in our walk with you. Whatever decisions we need to make of commitment and obedience, Lord, help us to make those today before we leave. Because you are near to us. We are living in your presence. And we want to be faithful to our King. Thank you, God, for what you've done and what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. You come. God dealt with your heart. Either pray soundly or come to Pastor Joe and myself. We'll be glad to pray with you. Singing together.